Right, I want to welcome everybody that's uh, watching via the internet, and uh, I trust that you're going to be blessed by this message. I also want to thank everybody in the United States that has treated me very well when I was there. Um, your generosity and your hospitality and just the way you treat people is just awesome. Thank you so much. It was awesome to see how you were willing just to grab a hold of the real gospel and just um, see his life manifest in you. Uh, amen. Right, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. When I was in the United States, I, the Lord just gave me a nice way of sharing what the gospel of peace really is. Uh, you know, when it comes to the gospel, <clears throat> for so many times, and I've said, it so, I've said it many times as well, is we've got a word called gospel. I mean, what does the word gospel mean? It is a foreign word. If you go to, if I go to you, we know the Greek meaning for gospel means good news. Goeienies, okay? So if I come to you and I tell you, listen man, <clears throat> I've got uh, uh, something happened, something good happened at work, and now I've, I've, I come home with some gospel from the work. That doesn't make sense. Because gospel became a religious word. Gospel became a word that is not seen as good news, but it's actually seen as church. It's seen as our obligation to serve God. It's seen as, um, you know, the whole church system and what goes with it, you know, which will just destroy people's lives. You know, like, um, uh, like you know, if you don't come to church, you cannot be blessed, or you should be part of a church. If you're not part of a church, you know, the, the blessing of God cannot be upon your life and uh, all the financial things that goes with it. And as we see church, that's what we connect gospel to. Um, and many people, when they hear the word gospel, they connect it with hurt or disappointment even. You know, not all people, but a lot of people, they do connect it with hurt or disappointment or service unto God, like I said. But the word gospel doesn't mean that. Even the Afrikaans word, the Afrikaans word is the word evangelie. Evangelie, what a, what a beteken is evangelie? It's an angelicisme in the Greeks. Okay, it's got no meaning. Evangelie means nothing. To us, um, outside of church, and then we've got our church name connected to it. The word gospel literally means outstanding good news. The word gospel was actually connected to the word um, that a, a runner would bring about the victory of a nation in war. In other words, if Israel was in a war, they would they would bring. Um, you know, there would be a runner. If, the, if, the, if they win the war and everything's going well, they will run over the mountain and they will come with the gospel of the evangelie, the, the good news of their victory that came by the army. So the people did nothing, but the army got the victory for all the people. And then their victory was announced by the work or the battle of the army. And that's where the word gospel comes from. It's actually a message about the victory of mankind in Christ. That is the word gospel. Victory over a system, you know, which was implemented by, uh, uh, by Adam, which was actually a sat satanic system where we, ju we, we, we judge ourselves by our human ability. Now, um, 
when, when you look at the gospel of peace, the word peace, you know, we've had a very funny connection to the word peace and peace between us and God. We felt that, and now I say we, I can't talk for everybody, but in general, this is the idea about peace, is that God is not at peace, and we will save Him from the stress that He's in, and we will give Him some peace by living right. So God's not at peace, but if I, if I live right, I'll give Him some peace. It's almost like God sits in heaven and He's put this, this, this uh, uh, demand on people and He's kind of stressed, not thinking they're going to get it right. And then, and then we kind of come and offer Him peace. And we become the Savior of God. Instead of God being the Savior of man. <laughs> We're going to bring you peace, oh God. <laughs> I've missed it today, but I tell you, I promise you, <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to try again. And I've, you know, and at especially the end of the year, dan ons ons nieuwe jaars voorneme. Okay? And then we, we make that decision, that quality decision, and we're going we're gonna to bring peace between us and God. Because we think it's like, um, you know, when you go into a house and there's a little bit of an atmosphere in the house. That the throne room has got this little bit of an atmosphere and we can set it right by the way we live. You know, peace was never something man could give God. Never. We could never give God peace by our works. It is impossible. The gospel is called the gospel of and I, w- I want to add in a word to explain it. The gospel of established peace. That God established between us. And the word peace, for those of you that have listened to many of my messages, this is the, the meaning for the word peace. It's the emotion in the heart of a person. This is what peace is. It's the emotion in the heart of not feeling indebted. Not feeling you owe someone something is when you you know when you when you stand next to somebody or imagine two people uh, um, you know that the one expected the other one to do something and he didn't do it then he owes him service he owes him service he owes him to keep to his promise but he hasn't done it so now he is indebted to the other one he owes him the word peace is not to be indebted not to be, it's, it's the gospel, the message that is preached about how we are not indebted. Amen. We don't owe God service to give Him peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Amen. He was the one that established peace in, between us and God. I believe that God never lost His peace. But we lost our peace. Amen. God never felt indebted. He never felt He owed us. If there was any emotion, I think, where God could have felt uh, no peace, it would have have been uh, to be disturbed in His heart by seeing where His people are. They are in a place where it's not safe. It's in a place where they are not protected. It's like us with our children. You know, if you, if you think of your son, you know, or your daughter out in the woods, 
you know, and they lost. We don't have a sense of indebtedness, but we've got a sense of a troubled heart because they are not safe. And I think that is the only way in which we could define God as not having peace is because it goes not well with us. He wants it to be well with us. Amen. I've said it many times. We need to understand why we were made. The reason why God made man was not for man to serve God. It was not for man to worship God. Amen. Let me say it in Afrikaans. It was that ons is nie geskapen om God te dienie. Ons is nie geskapen om God te aanbid nie. Alhoewel ons God sal aanbid en alhoewel ons God sal dien. That was not the main reason why God made us. You know, we don't have children for the main purpose of them serving us. We don't have children for the main purpose of them worshiping us. We have children for this purpose that they can inherit everything we have ever worked for and that we can serve them with our life. And I, I am fully convinced that God created man for this sole purpose that somebody could enjoy his quality of life. Amen. Because he was seated in heaven and he experienced the most awesome quality of life which was founded on the basis of his being. And he wanted somebody to function from a place of being. And I want to explain it this way. When God made man, He made man from the foundation of I am, not I'll become. Okay, meaning God is, God is, and I'm going to use bad English here, but God is, God is a I am. Okay, He's not a I'll become, He's a I am. And from the I am, He is so much the thing that He is, or the love that He is, that it manifests. It's like you can say, I am an artist. That's why I paint, or that's why I uh, wear the clothes I wear, or that's, that, that's why I think the way I think, because I am an artist. I am an athlete. That's why I run so fast, or swim so fast, or cycle, or because that's who I am. In the same way, God functions from His very being. And His desire was that somebody could have the ability to function from His very being. And that being should be in equality with Him. And that's why He made us. That's why He made you. So that somebody could experience what it is to function from I am so much something that it manifests in my life. That's awesome. And what happened in, 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 with, 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 um, with Adam and Eve, they came into a place where they say, well, I don't believe in the I am anymore. They start to believe in the I'll do. You know, where you're not defined by who God is, but you're defined by what you've done today. And that destroyed all peace between God and man. One of the greatest places, and I want to make it very practical where, where we struggle, and I felt this morning to, to touch on this, is in our finances. When it comes to money, we stress. And this is a very practical place to see this. <clears throat> when God came and He declared His provision for us in Matthew 6, He declared it in the word Father. He said in Matthew 6, and let's read Matthew 6 there quickly, Matthew 6.30. 
Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30. It says, Wherefore, if God... Oh, let's read, sorry, verse 24. Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or of your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than meat, and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for, for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory are not arrayed like one of these. So here he says very clearly, look at the birds. Are they not much better than they? And look at the birds. Are you not much better than they? And your heavenly Father feeds the birds. So what does he come? When it comes, what does he come and do? He comes and explains the peace that we can have on this earth in the area of our finances by declaring himself as Father. We must realize in the Old Testament, God was never called Father. He was called God. Jehovah. Okay? And he had many names. It was God my provider. Or God my healer. You know? Or God my peace. But never was he known as Father. And here he comes, and he declares financial provision and care in this name, Father. Father. How do we care for our children? Even if they don't do things the way we think they should do them. Even if it can upset us, it will never change who we are. Because we function from our being. You can only be Father. Amen. I'm not talking about a, a, a warped situation here. I'm talking about something that's natural and good. Father. In the name Father, everything is taken up. All care. All peace. Amen. We know that Father has only got the best for us. The word Father, in, in the Greek, one of the meanings, it's got many meanings. And I like this one. It says, the one who takes responsibility for. That's the word Father. The one who takes responsibility for. And he said that he would rather be the one to take responsibility for our peace than for us to take responsibility for our peace. Because if we must take responsibility for our peace, I mean, we lose our peace every second day. You know, in a certain area. I look at myself, I walk in the grace of God in this message for many years. But I'll find, you know, that there will be times in the day maybe, or in a week, I'll, find my, I'll catch my mind wanting to stress about something. And what I do then is, I look at His peace. At what? How He is at peace. And then I enter into His peace. God did not come to give us our own peace. He came to explain to us why He is at peace so that we can have His peace. There's a big difference. Our peace will be based on our uh, uh, understanding of peace, but He has got peace with us. 
And He gave it as a gift to us. So we can have peace in our finances by this one word. He came to declare Himself in Jesus Christ as our Father. By saying Father, it also means it is the, it's the one that's got the ability to procreate or to, to multiply Himself. That's what it also says in, in the original. The one who says that who you are originates from me and is not ashamed to say it. When God calls you Father, He says, I'm not ashamed to say that this person comes from me. If I look at my kids, I don't care if he gets 20% or 100%. Whenever I stand next to him, I'm proud to say, this is my son. He comes from me. You know, when I was in America now, uh, especially when I, when I crossed the Mississippi, you know, I only knew about the Mississippi in the country songs that my dad used to listen to. So then I crossed the Mississippi, and I looked at the Mississippi, but there's some places where it's so big, it looks like a lake. Okay? And then I was there, at, I think it was, what I don't even know the names of all the towns, but it was next to the Mississippi, and when I saw it, you know, there were friends, some American friends with me there, and I saw, saw it, and I could share it with them, and they shared it with me. But it's not the same as what I would share it with somebody that originates from me. Yeah. Or somebody that is one flesh with me. Yeah. You see, Helena and I, we are one flesh. There's, you know, I will take a picture and put it on Facebook, or I'll take a picture and I will email it to her and tell her, watch this picture, because my desire is, my desire to share who I am is not satisfied by just friends. It can only be satisfied with somebody that I feel I'm one with. And I'm one with Helena. And when we are there, we will not be satisfied to see that beautiful place outside of having that which is born from us there. Amen. And God, I believe, had, there was so much peace between the Father and the Son, and there still is, between the Father and the Son in heaven, even before the earth was made, that He wanted us to experience what it is to be in absolute peace with someone else that is your equal. Then He made man in the very equality of God. We are not God, but we've been made in the very equality of God. And then He came and shared and given us the opportunity to have that peace. One of the meanings for the word peace is harmony. <laughs> harmony. No indebtedness and absolute harmony. A harmonious relationship, it says in the Greek. A harmonious relationship. When something is in harmony, it means, let's, let, let's, let's take an orchestra. I mean, there's different instruments. But they all tuned to the same, uh, you know, when they tune them, they, 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 they tune they, like the C, for instance, to the same frequency. Everything is exactly the same. And then they make music in harmony. And it's beautiful. And God has made man, his, his original plan with man was that man would, I'm going to use some other term here, would vibrate at the same frequency that he vibrates. That was his original plan. His original plan was never to have a servant. His original plan was for man to be in peace 
with Him. And to have quality of life born from this peace. Because peace gives birth to something. When you're really in peace with someone, it gives birth to the real you. The real you can manifest in peace. You can find yourself, you know, if I, say for instance, I've just come back from America and I'm tired and everything, I find I'm not really myself. Because you're tired and because you've, you, there's so many things that you, when you come home you realize that this must be done, that must be done and whatever. But when there's no pressure and absolute harmony, you find that you become a different person. And inside us, God has placed someone that is exactly like Him with a tint of your personality. Hallelujah. And He desires to know you. And He desires for you to know Him. You know, I've, I've, while preaching in the U.S., this, this is what came to my mind. It was so beautiful. When we are in harmony with God, it's like... <clears throat> Say I've got my three boys, okay, and Helena, and I come and I give them a gift. I know each one of them already. I know them very well. I can sort of predict how they will react when I give this gift. But if I give them this gift, what I live for is not for them even to have the gift, but I live for what will manifest in them. Isn't it? What joy it will bring forth. In the one will smile, the other one will just have a, will just say, man, I said long ago we should have this. (laughs) You know? The other one says this, the other one says that. But, what's nice for me is to see the same gift bringing forth the real them that comes from me. In them. In the very same way I believe it's with God. He's come to bring a, a, a platform of absolute harmony or peace where we don't feel indebted. And when He comes and He reveals His gift, Christ, and His quality of life, His life to every man as a free gift, the relationship we have is the response that brings in us with Him. And that's what He wants to know. Not as a demand, well, I want to know how you respond. No, no. Your natural response to that is the seed that is in you that got watered, that brought forth a plant. And He loves that plant. That is His garden. That which is us. And He's come to bring that peace to us. Absolute harmony. A harmonious relationship. When you think of, uh, you know, when you, do, when you do marriage counseling or you look at relationships, you can see there are some relationships where there's stress. There's not harmony, man. There's just stress. Now, everybody somewhere will, you know, if, if you live on this world, you'll have some stress, you know, and you can, w- between people, because we don't always understand each other perfectly. But when it comes to God, He doesn't want us to think of a stressful relationship where we feel indebted. He wants harmony. If there's one relationship you can think of where you can completely feel at ease in the presence of the other person, where, you, where he will not put a 
something that's ill-fitting on you is your relationship with God in Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ came to bring peace. Amen. He's the peacemaker. And He brought peace between mankind and God. And we preach not that you can have peace if you become a Christian. We preach that God offered peace to the whole human race. And those that can accept the fact that He is not angry, that He took away our guilt. Those that can accept the fact that, that He came and, and leveled the ground between man and God. Those who can accept that fact and receive that harmonious relationship find that their life is now born from God. God is now the father of their life. Obligation is not the father anymore. Guilt is not the father anymore. But God became the father of your life through the Prince of Peace that wanted to make peace with mankind. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful gospel? It's a good news for us. Peace is a fruit. Peace is not a command. God does not command you to have peace. And that we must know. Peace is a fruit. It's not a command. God came to give us peace. He didn't tell us, go and have peace. And then if you have peace, then you qualify to enter into heaven. No. He came to give you His peace. Amen. You know, we've got such a wrong idea. And uh, uh, my last message that I preached, I put a lot of focus on this. We've got this idea that if you take Deuteronomy 28, now this is for people that are familiar with the charismatic Pentecostal, um, you know, thought. We always thought, and I found, even in, in, in the grace kind of circles, this is, this is the thought, that by works, we could never get God to bless us. Okay? With the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 says, Blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall you be your children, blessed, blessed, blessed. And it just calls all the blessings if you obey the law. So we, we would know that by, we cannot, by obedience to the law, get all those blessings to come upon us. So now we think that Jesus obeyed the law so that the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 can come upon me. And that seems like the fruit of the gospel. The fruit would be, I'm going to be very rich. I'm going to always be healthy. I'm always going to have this. I'm always, because, because of Deuteronomy 28. You know, when Jesus removed, uh, removed the law system as a way unto having a relationship with Him, He removed the blessing part and the cursed part. The fruit of belief, believing in Christ is not the blessing part of the law. No, the fruit of believing in Christ is to be born of God. It's to be born of God. It is the word Father. So, you know, I don't have to quote Deuteronomy 28 to have financial prosperity. Because I've got somebody called Father. <laughs> you know, the word Father eliminates most traditional church doctrine. 
the word father, just he's my father. I think I put on Facebook last night that if in anything you want to you think God does, if it cannot fit into a family relationship, it's wrong. It's wrong. If you would say, but God would do this and this and this to me. If it cannot fit into a healthy family relationship, God cannot do it. Because He came and defined Himself in family terms. Father, son, husband, wife. If you think of the ideal family relationship or the ideal husband-wife relationship and what you think God will do, cannot fit in there, then God cannot do it. Like I've said so many times, God put you through hard times to purify you. Or God, I just spoke to to the one man just before the service, you know, um, he lost his son when his son was 13 years of age. And then um, somebody came and said, God, God had a mooi blommetje geplak. Okay? I mean, that will break your heart, man. Okay, now, if you cannot do that as a father, then God cannot do it. In other words, you're a father, you have children. Those children have got children, those children have got children, and then you as a father just decide one day to go and take one of the babies. You, you, You can't. He's kidnapped. One of his own family. You know, you can't do it. A family relationship does not allow it. So a harmonious relationship was God's number one plan for us. And when He gave peace, gave us peace, He didn't come to give us... You know, we, we, and, and this is... The, uh, let me just get back to the original point here. When we look at Deuteronomy 28, we think so many times that the fruit of a believer is having the prosperous life prosper to the, uh, promised to the Jews. Paul never said that. Paul said... This is the life that you will have. This is the fruit of a believer. You'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. This is the fruit of a believer. You'll have self-control. You know, that makes everybody rich. That doesn't disqualify any person. That gives you an inner peace that surpasses all knowledge. But Bertie, do you mean that I'm just going to be poor? I told you, there's someone called Father that knows your every need. And my provision is completely secure in the word Father. I tell my Father. Amen. But Bertie, can't I then buy anything nice? You can. Why not? God wanted something nice, and then He had you. Amen. He wanted something nice, then He had you. He decided, well, I need something. I I, want to make something nice that can bless me. And then He had us. So if you see something that you want to buy, you can buy it. You're free to have it. There's no law against it. There's no law against relationship. Not at all. Amen. If you need of something, just tell your father. Tell him. And rest in the fact that he is father.
Amen. He's the one that takes responsibility for you. Like it says there, clearly it says the Gentiles seek after things, you know, and then God says, God says, I know, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So God knows that that which the Gentiles seek after, you have need of. He calls that which the Gentiles seek your need. And then he says, my God will meet your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ. Do you see the whole relationship thing here? Do you see how we can function from harmony, never feeling disqualified? If you want quality relationship with people, tell your father. He's your father. Just tell him. This is my desire. Because the desire that comes forth in our heart even comes from Him. Because this is what He says, God will work in you both to will and to do according to His good plan and purpose. Now, what I'm talking about now is the the platform of God's grace. Okay? When we are under God's unconditional love, we find that most of the desires that's in our heart is actually born from God. When we mix the things, you will find some desires are from God, some are born from other things, you know, and you become mixed. You don't know what God's actually saying. It's like the one guy on the train. I got, <clears throat> I was supposed to, you know, I, I don't know how many flights I took. I don't know if it was 15 or how many flights. Only one was not delayed. It's terrible. SAA. Is from God. <laughs> I haven't had one delayed flight on SAA. But over there, I felt like Jonah. Throw me overboard. Then everything will come right. <laughs> That's how I felt. And now I don't even know what I want to say. My goodness, sorry. On the train. Okay, so the flights got delayed. So I, I had to, so I said to them, listen, they said, no, the flight's delayed. So I wait, I wait there for like three, four hours. They say, no, the flight's now canceled. I said, okay, now what now? They say, well, come tomorrow. I need to preach tonight. Come tomorrow. I said, it can't be. I said, I come from South Africa to, to preach here, and I'm right, I'm right there. It's, it's, it's a three-hour flight. I'm here. And now you're canceling everything here. I said, it can't be. You must make a plan. So they said, what you can do is we can book you at, at another airport. And then you need to get to the other airport with a train. Now, those trains aren't like the trains in Europe. Europe's trains is from heaven. <laughs> They've got those electronic boards that tells you where, to, where you get on, where you get off. Everything electronic. Beautiful. But in America, it doesn't work like that. You work by instinct. <laughs> you, you've got to have the gut feeling. So I had this gut feeling that something's going to go wrong on this train. So I said to the lady there, we buy the tickets. I said to her, listen, now how long must I be on this train before I must get off? She said, you must be, when it stops at two hours. You check, when it starts, two hours, you get off. Okay then you'll be where you're supposed to be. And there you ask for a taxi and they'll take you to the airport. So, okay, thank you so much. I got on, I got on the train. <clears throat> I wait for two hours. I get off. I was an hour and ten minutes past the place where I was supposed to be. 
Then I had to wait another 45 minutes for another train. Then I got on that train. Then there was then, and this is where I get to the story now. Then across the table, they've got these little tables. There was a guy sitting there, and um, he was from he was from New York area there, and they he was on his way to India um, because they grow these. He's, he's involved in this growing of the stem cells and those kind of things. So, um, and, and the guy, guy next to me, so the guy next to me, I started to talk to him, and he buys wine for a very big company there from South Africa. So he's been to Cape Town. So we really started to chat and enjoy the chat, you know, and he talks about the Paul and, you know, every, all, all the places here. And um, so the guy on the other side, he was on the phone. And after he, uh, um, you know, had his conversation on the phone, he started to say, well, where, where, where am I from? And I started to share with him. And he says, now, why are you here? I said, I'm here to speak at a conference. Then he said to me, on what topic? I said, Christian topic. He says, oh, he doesn't want anything to do with God. doesn't want to talk about God. I said to him, uh, he's, he's, he's agnostic. So I said to him, um, well, the gospel I preach is a different gospel. He says, well, he left church. He didn't want anything to do with church because it, it was not something that makes sense. So I said to him, um, you know, it could be that you were not rebelling against church when you left it, but that you actually obeyed God. Because there was some stuff inside you that said, God cannot be like this. He cannot be this harsh God. You could have been. Then he said, his eyes opened. It's like, oh, I thought this preacher is going to condemn me. Then I explained to him that one man brought sin into the world and that his name was Adam and that you were not a sinner because of your sin, but you were a sinner because of someone else's sin. In the same way, according to Romans 5, one man came into the world and he obeyed on behalf of everybody. He was called the last Adam, according to Romans 5. So, if one could sin on your behalf and make you a sinner, and you were a sinner because of his sin, why can one not make you righteous, I asked him. I said, that one made you righteous, and that's what I want to declare to you. And I explained to him what I've explained to you now, why I believe God made us. You know what he said to me? He said, I can buy into that. That was his words. And then he said to me, because the north of America is not as religious as the south, he said to me, there's a great market in the north for your ministry. (laughs) (laughs) But if you go to the south, they're going to reject you. He said, stay out of Tennessee. That's what he said to me. If I must go to the U.S., that's where I'll go and stay. It's Tennessee. It's Buddha Mensa, you know? Hillbillies. Yeah. So, you see, the gospel is so easy for people to accept because that person, in his heart, there was a voice. God worked in him to will and to do. God said to him, listen, man, this thing of God's angry, God's never at peace, you must actually give God peace. Um, God's always hungry for your money. God's always hungry for your service. He just felt, even if they could preach it from the black book, there was something in his heart that said, this is not right. It was the voice of God. Because God desires harmony, peace between us and Him. 
And once we get into the gospel and realize the truth, we find almost all our desires will be born of God. It's like the one guy said to me, so bad, are you saying to me that you must, can we just do whatever we want when we're under grace? I say to him, you better do whatever you want. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you to will and to do. So you better do what you want. It's amazing, isn't it? God wants us to function not from I'll become, but from I am. Why did God love us? Why, does, why did God create whatever He created? It was from who He is. And the, the, imagine, just think of this. The beauty of living from the overflow and not living from obligation. If there's a law with its rules and you must obey it, it means that you are something that might contradict those laws and now you have to force yourself to live it. That is not a victorious life. It cannot be compared to, you know, if, if I look at that little Jack Russell of mine at home, he enjoys his life. He enjoys being a Jack Russell. I tell you, he lives from the overflow. The burbul, as lazy as what he is, enjoys it. He, fung- he is fully himself. Animals enjoy many times a higher quality of life than humans. Because we've been deceived in our minds. Thinking we are not, and God has put a standard, and we need to become. Instead of knowing that we're not even, we're not in the standard of animals, we're in the standard of God. And God has removed every form of distance that there could ever be between us and Him and declared peace. Amen. Let's read the verses where He declared peace. Okay. Let's read uh, Luke 2, verse 13, and John 14, verse 27. I see Mark, Luke. Sorry. Luke, Lucas 2, verse 13. Hierdie praat van die geboorte van Jesus Christus. <coughs> Hoor wat sê die, 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 die jimmelse weesens. Hy sê, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, this was, remember, the birth of Christ. We can read from verse, um, verse 11. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and goodwill toward men. I've preached on this verse so many times, but just look at what happens when, when Jesus was born. What is the first thing those heavenly hosts say? They say, Glory to God in the highest, 
a good view and a good opinion about God. That's what glory means. We can now have a good view and a good opinion of God. Not a bad opinion, a good opinion. If you had to put Him in human form, you'll have a good opinion about Him. Okay? We've made God because, because we cannot see Him. We've given Him the right to treat us in a way that we will never allow any human to treat us. But He never wanted to have any other relationship with us outside of human form. That's why He became a human being. Amen. So that there can be perfect harmony between us and Him. The harmony that there is between the human Jesus and God. The human Jesus is God. The harmony between the human Jesus and God is the harmony between God and you. Because Jesus is your high priest. He is your representative. He's the one that talks on your behalf or stands on your behalf before the Father. And the Bible says whatever Jesus inherited, you are a co-heir. Meaning, you share in the fullness of His inheritance. It means whatever He inherited, when Jesus died as a human and was raised up as a human being, what did He inherit in His resurrection? He inherited equality with God. Absolute harmony with God. And when Jesus was born, the heavenly host said these words, Peace on earth and goodwill. The good, goodwill good reputation to every man, meaning that the reputation of God in Jesus is now written behind every human's name. And when that human being can believe that, then he is saved from the lie and the death that he was in and all the effort to try and meet up to a standard which was attained by God on your behalf. Amen. <laughs> you know, the more I study this message, the more it boils down to a love relationship. That's it. No ifs and buts and commands and obligations, nothing. But just a God that wanted to share His quality of life with us. And then He made somebody in His image and in His likeness and treats Him the way He will treat His Son in heaven or the way He will treat the Holy Spirit. That's how we are treated, with the very same respect. You know, the Bible says that, <coughs> the, that there are seven spirits of God. One of the spirits of God is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Okay, So the Holy Spirit, one of His characteristics is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Does that mean the Holy Spirit is scared of the Father or scared of the Son? No. That word fear there means respect. The Holy Spirit, in other words, if you, if you talk about the Spirit of God, it is the very core of God. Our spirit is our deepest being. So the Spirit of God, the very deepest part of God, is the Spirit of the fear of the Lord, or the respect of the Lord. So the Father, in His very deepest being, has got respect for Jesus. The Spirit of the fear of the Lord. If the Father respects Christ as a human, for He is a human, He respects you with the same respect that He has, for He has the spirit of respect. 
and he treats man with respect. Not as slaves. Not as a lower form of being. But with the highest respect. That's why the Bible says wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom, you will have wisdom if you can start to understand how God respects. How the Father respects the Son and the Son respects the Father and how we are respected by God. And when we get this respect in us for the Son and for what the Son has done, we become wise. For the Bible says, there's a way. You know, I, I, you know, I read Matthew <coughs> yesterday. This is what it says. It, it, he comes and he says, even if a person looks lustfully at a woman, then he has already committed adultery. And he, and he lifts the standard of the law so high, you know. And then he comes and he says, walk the narrow way, for broad is the way that leads to destruction. Jesus comes and He says, I did not come to break the law, but to fulfill the law. So that when it's fulfilled, it can pass away. Let me tell you, I don't even say that this law standard is high enough. There's even a higher standard. This is the right standard you should live by, which no man can do. Okay? Then, after lifting the standard, this is what He says. He says, it just dawned on me. And I was, I was in the bath. And this is how I read the Bible. I was in the bath. And I take my iPad and I play the Bible. Okay, then I listen. And as I was listening, I hear this high law, this high law, this high law. And then he said, it's like a break in the sentence. He says, therefore I say unto you, choose the narrow path and not the broad way. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. For he's just shown the way to destruction. Destruction is trying to live all these difficult stuff. But the narrow way is simply belief in the finished work of Jesus. We're not going to take the broad way. We're taking the narrow way. And the, you know what broke my heart when I heard it? It says, many follow the way that go to destruction. Trying to serve God. And few find the narrow way. That's why we want to preach this. The gospel of peace. Jesus, when He was born. Peace. Peace. John 14, 27. <clears throat> Listen to what, what He says here. Oh, verse 26. <clears throat> says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost which the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay? We must, we must realize that when it talks about the Comforter here, there's another place in the Bible where it says, I will send you another Comforter. So there was a Comforter, but then He will send another Comforter. So He was, Jesus was the Comforter. He comforted the sinners. The sinners felt comforted in his presence. Zacchaeus felt comforted in the presence of Jesus. The Bible says the sinners felt comforted. The sinners came to Jesus. Why? Because they felt comfortable in his presence. Do you think a sinner will go and visit Jesus every day, make it his custom if he doesn't feel comforted? No. 
If you can read Isaiah 40, this is what it says. It says, Comfort my people. Speak, I'm, I'm going to read it as it says in the Hebrew. Comfort my people. Speak against the wrong belief of Jerusalem. Tell them their sins have been pardoned. Tell them their war is over. This is Isaiah 40 from verse 1. Tell my people, comfort them by telling them you're believing something wrong. Your sins are forgiven. Your war is over. Okay? Now it comes here. Now, so who is the comforter? The comforter is the one that tells you your sins are forgiven. Your war is over. Now he comes, he says, I will send you the comforter. The Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit's job? To comfort you. By saying what? By telling you you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Not you are guilty, you need to get rid of it. No, you are forgiven. Listen to this. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father has sent in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. So he says... I will send you the Comforter. So who will He leave with us? The Comforter. The Comforter will He leave with us. Right? What will the Comforter do? Remind us of everything Jesus said. What did Jesus come to tell us as... Let's take His global message. What did He come to do? To take away the sin of the whole world. Right? Peace. This Comforter will bring you peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, I give you the harmony. I say, harmony I give you. My harmony. The harmony that I have with the Father. I offer unto you as a free gift. Can you believe this? I offer it to you as a free gift. He says, and this Holy Spirit will continue to remind you of what I've done so that your heart, your belief will not be troubled. Neither will you be afraid. For you will know that you are always in perfect harmony with God. That is the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's voice is the message of your innocence. I want to read one more verse and end off with it. <coughs> I've already typed it out here. This is what it says. I end off with this verse. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your heart. To the which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. So what does he say here? Go and read any of the epistles. This is how it starts. Peace unto you. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what he writes because that's what God wants you to know first. Peace unto you. The emotion of not being indebted. Being in full harmony with God. And grace, God's influence on your heart, unto you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, because they are 
in unity about this thing. It's not that Jesus wants you to have peace, the Father wants to wring your neck, but Jesus stands between you and the Father. Oh, don't kill them, Father, don't kill them. No, it was the Father's plan to send Jesus. He's a loving Father, a caring Father. Amen. You know the gospel. I've preached it to you so many times. I don't have to re-preach it. He had to end that system of I am what I do to the system of I am what He is. Amen. That's the highest form of life. Hallelujah. And then it says here, it's, it, it, clearly it says, He'll give His peace not as the world gives. How does the world give peace? The world gives peace. You can go and buy a car. I'm using a very simple analogy here. You can go and buy a car. As long as what you pay the car, you've got peace. The first month you don't pay, your peace is gone. You're not in harmony anymore with BMW. Or with a bank, wherever you might... You're not in harmony with them anymore. Because you have not measured up to the standard. He says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Not by your performance. But my peace, the peace that he has from existence, from being, from being who he is, he offers to us as a free gift. Hallelujah. Then he says, and let, he doesn't say peace. He says, and let the peace that God possesses rule in your hearts. What does that mean? If somebody is the ruler, he's the one that dictates what goes and what stays. He's the one that lays down the, uh, um, the rules of the game. He's the ruler. Let the peace that God has be the, be the ruler of your heart. In other words, let the fact that God is at peace and in full harmony with you be the very core of your belief. Everything you believe originates from this fact. God is at peace. So if you go to a church, or if you listen to, if you read the Bible, even, you know, sometimes pastors are guilty, sometimes we're guilty ourselves. Because we interpret the scripture in a way that is not the way it's supposed to be interpreted. If you read a verse in the Bible, when it comes, for instance, to your money, and you feel, oh my goodness, I owe God 10%. Listen, you have not started, peace has not ruled. You've started with indebtedness. You started with, I owe God. They said to me again now in America, I can't preach like this, I'll preach myself bankrupt. <laughs> but thank God that He's my Father. I've got a Father that loves me. As much as what He loves you, as much as what He loves Jesus. And as Jesus has inherited eternal peace concerning everything in His life, I am a co-heir and make use of that for myself and find the resurrection power of Christ not providing for me but resurrecting or giving birth to God's quality of life in my life and God's quality of life is this I don't care what happens I've always got peace Nothing somebody give me can give me peace. That's how God is. Nothing you can give God can give Him peace. And nothing you take away from Him can take away His peace. It's impossible. And we are partakers of that. 
Hallelujah. And from there you find the way you treat people changes. If you would treat somebody wrong, you will find you want to apologize. You don't want to be proud and boastful about it. Your whole life changes. Everything changes because of who He is and how He has created you. Let the peace of God. Do you see the choice we have? We've got the freedom to choose. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And let's be thankful. If anything that you can do is have this peace rule in your heart and the thankfulness that drives us up, yield to it. It's easy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you that you have come to give us peace. I thank you, Father, for every person that is here, everyone that's watching me all over the world on the Internet. I thank you, Lord, that, that peace is theirs. Thank you, Lord, that nothing can take us out of sequence with you. You have placed us, you have made peace between the human race and who you are, Father, in Jesus. All we can do is walk ignorantly or in disbelief or unbelief in this and then we will just experience the fruit of our unbelief. But thank you, Lord, that you believed first and now we can be partakers of your faith so that, the, that, that we don't have our own faith, but we believe what you believe. Father, you are fully persuaded that Jesus took away the sin of the whole world. Father, you are fully persuaded that Jesus is per, in absolute perfection next to you, seated at your right hand, Father. Father, you are fully persuaded that we are co-heirs of the very same life. Therefore, we are not creating our own faith anymore. But as your word says, your righteousness is manifested in our lives from faith to faith, from your faith unto our faith. For we are now seeing what you believe as God about us. And now we can believe the very same thing. And as we believe it, Father, we find your life giving birth to life in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If we hear this gospel, it's easy to say, I want to be born from above. I want to be born again. I don't want to be born from tradition or obligation. But I want to be born from this beautiful truth. You know what? I just... Just keep your eyes closed like this and just envision this. While I pray, I saw this this picture in my mind. <clears throat> Jesus comes and He appears to His disciples in a house where they've locked themselves up because they were afraid. After His resurrection, He appeared to them. Listen to what He says. See Jesus. See joy on His face. <laughs> see how He's happy to see His disciples. They are scared, but He's happy. They don't have peace, but He has peace. And this is the first words he, says, he shares with them. He says, peace unto you. 
And then he repeats himself. He says, again, I say, peace unto you. The next words he said was, and I'm just going to summarize what he says, as the Father has sent me to declare peace unto you, tell every person that I'm at peace with them. Otherwise, they will never have peace. What a glorious gospel. What good news it is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Next Sunday I'll be preaching on temptation. What is temptation? For the scripture declares there's only one temptation. Only one. There's not many temptations. There's only one. I'm going to share on that. So I trust that you, you're going to be blessed by that as well. If anybody needs any prayer, you can, uh, I'll be here afterwards. You can, I'll pray for you. And if you want to give something, we've got... Um, there'll be, there'll be, is, Eliana, is, is that two boxes there? There's two, there's two boxes there, so the one is for, um, the, uh, the one is for, for the church here, and the one will stand up, what's that on the other one? Ministry of Helps. So that if there's people that's got need, you know, that is in financial need, that we can give as a church towards them, people in the church. Okay, thank you so much, and God bless you guys.